Have you ever been falsely accused? Has anyone ever spread gossip or falsehood or innuendo about you? Unfortunately, the answer to those questions is probably yes. But the question for us today is how do we respond to that? How do we handle that? Well, that's what we're going to talk about on this special Easter edition of the Full Life Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to the Full Life Podcast by Grace Church, where we hope to inspire, challenge, and clarify your next steps in faith. I'm David Lawson, and uh, this is a third podcast and a series of podcasts that uh, we are recording uh, leading up to Easter as we prepare our hearts for Easter. And we're talking about these events, and we're talking about the historical settings and events that are leading up to Jesus' crucifixion in his last days and also even up to his resurrection. But more importantly, we're talking about the spiritual significance of those events to our lives. What we're going to be talking about today, a lesson that we'll be able to pull out from what we're going to be discussing today is how do we react when people wrong us or we are unjustly accused. My guess is that has probably been your experience at some point of your life, and we're going to be learning from Jesus about how we respond in those kinds of situations. And again, I have with me Pastor Bob Federhoff, our pastor of development at Grace Church here in Worcester, and uh, he will be with me throughout this series of podcasts. So uh, welcome again, Bob. Glad you could be with us. Thank you. It's nice to be back. Well, so far we've talked about the Last Supper, we've talked about the Garden of Gethsemane, and now we're going to be talking about this last event leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus, that is Jesus' trial or trials, maybe, as it were, which might be kind of a, a surprise to people. Um, they might not know that uh, all that was involved with Jesus's trial, we put it under one uh, as a singular trial, but actually there was a lot more to it than that. And spoiler alert, part of the reason for this is because no one could really pin anything on him. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, he was just certainly unjustly accused, but we'll get to that in just a moment. So let's start a little bit with the historical information. Let's talk about where. Where did uh, these trials take place? Well, as you've suggested, David, uh, there actually are six parts to Jesus' trial. Six parts. Hmm. Uh, There were three stages in the religious court and three stages before a Roman court. Now, for uh, the religious leaders, Jesus uh, was tried by three different uh, sets of people. First, he was on trial before Annas, the former high priest. Then he was on trial before Caiaphas, the one who was the current high priest, at that time, then he was tried before the group of seventy elders of Jewish leaders called the Sanhedrin. In those religious trials, he was charged with blasphemy, hmm. simply claiming to be the Son of God. Hmm. That's a legitimate claim. Guilty as charged. Yeah, he was. He, <laughs> in that respect, that's exactly what he claimed, and they couldn't handle it. Of course. Hmm. Um, now. Uh, it's interesting, as a side note, uh, uh, to uh, realize that one of the places that we often visit in the Holy Land is called the Church of St. Peter and Galicantu, which means the church where the cock crowed. And uh, it's probably 
a, a church that was actually built over the house of Caiaphas because mm. there's mm. a very, very old dungeon down below that you can visit, and Jesus may well have been held there mm. and tried there. Mm. Um, the trials that happened before the Jewish authorities were illegal in every case because they simply hated him and they wanted mm-hmm. to to mm-hmm. uh, dispose of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, no trial, for instance, was supposed to be held during a time of the feast. Right. Well, it was the time of the Passover. Right. Um, if, uh, if a death penalty was given, um, a night had to pass before the sentence could be carried out. That didn't, that didn't happen at all either. That wasn't the case. Um, the Jews had no authority in themselves to execute anyone. I mean, mm-hmm. there were many violations of the mm-hmm. law that actually mm-hmm. happened during the religious trial of Jesus himself. Mm. So basically what you're telling me is this whole thing was a a sham, uh, even on the religious side, uh, simply because they didn't like him, right? Yeah, exactly. It was a kangaroo court. Nothing legitimate whatsoever in the way that Jesus was tried by the religious leaders. So what was it about Jesus? And this might be obvious to a lot of people who are listening, but maybe not to others. Why, Why was Jesus hated so much by the religious leaders? Well, I think uh, there were two primary reasons. Jesus claimed to speak for God. Mm-hmm. You see, in, uh, in Jesus' day, the religious leaders claimed not their own authority, but they claimed their authority based on what somebody else said, mm-hmm. uh, according to what somebody said before him. It was mm-hmm. kind of a, a authority passed down from one generation to another, mm-hmm. a little bit like the way some of us write papers. You know, <laughs> We think we're really being an authority if we can cite a whole right. bunch of different people who happen right. to agree with us. And when I read the Gospels, uh, the crowds, one of their statements, he teaches with such authority right. – and what they weren't referring to was, well, he isn't saying what somebody else said. Yeah. He's kind of bringing his own thing. He taught with his own authority. Right. He didn't quote everybody else, didn't quote all the rabbis of the past, which is what was typical of the religious right. leaders of Jesus' day. Uh, he taught with his own authority. That's the first reason why they hated him so much. He was teaching unlike any mm. of them mm. would dare to do because mm. uh, they gained their authority from being able to quote the experts mm. of the past. Mm. The second reason that they hated him so much, I think, was because he had a completely different agenda than Mm. they did. Mm. Uh, He was focused on spiritual realities. He was was focused on having a right relationship Mm. with God. He was focused on the spiritual concepts Mm. that were behind what became the focus of the religious leaders of his day. The focus of of their attention was the Sabbath and the food and their ethnic identity and the land and ultimately the temple itself. Mm. All those things were the symbols of what was supposed to be great spiritual reality. Yeah. And so you hear this in in, uh, Jesus' teaching all the time where he said, uh, you've heard it said this, That's right. I tell you this. And a lot of times what he was getting at is you need to get beyond the practice to the heart. You need to get, you. Um, I'm concerned, his teaching was about who you are as a person, not as much about the outward appearance, exactly. because he was saying, uh, you can do everything seemingly right in the eyes of people, but be corrupt on the inside. Exactly. And of course, his maybe his most bold statement about that was when he called them whitewashed tombs. Yeah. They you, probably didn't like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you look great, maybe on yeah. the outside, but inwardly, yeah. you're rotten to the core. Uh, they were focused only on the external, mm. and Jesus was focused on the internal, yeah. having a right relationship mm. with God. Yeah. So 
there is the so this this is probably the surprise to people, and and that is that there were two types of trials. You had these religious trials, uh, but then there's also the the civil side of things, where he goes b- before the the Roman authorities. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Um, you've talked a little bit about him going before the priests and and uh, the Pharisees. Let's talk a little bit about uh, his his trial before. The Romans in the civil trials. Now, again, um, Jesus um, appeared uh, before three different stages in his civil trial before the Roman authorities. First, he appeared before Pilate, um, and then Pilate found no reason to kill Jesus, mm. so he shipped him off to King Herod. Mm. And Herod didn't want to have anything to do with him, so he ridiculed him, and he wanted to avoid the political liability that would be associated with uh, any kind of condemnation of Jesus, because he knew Jesus was a popular figure. Right. And and if Herod was anything, he was astute when it came to the winds of human popularity. Um, so he sent him back to Pilate. So he went from Pilate uh, from Pilate to Herod back to Pilate, hmm. and the last trial before Pilate was basically to appease. This growing animosity that the Jews had toward Jesus. And Pilate even offered to the Jews the release of Barabbas, but instead mm. they sought the crucifixion mm. of Christ. Yeah. That, let's talk a little bit about um, that scene where the people are shouting for Jesus' crucifixion and asking for the release of Barabbas. Um, what what Let's talk about the significance that that is to what, what insight would you give to us about that particular event? Well, for one thing, it was complete mockery of the justice mm. system. Yeah. Because here was a man who was clearly a criminal, right. Barabbas, an insurrectionist who led, um, who led rebellion against the Roman government. Mm. Um, he was guilty, clearly, um, being offered. Uh, on the one hand, in contrast to Jesus, who was completely innocent mm. of um, the accusations that were brought against him. Um, you know, somebody said, it's not bragging if you can back it up. Mm. You said earlier that Jesus uh, was guilty of claiming to be the Son of God. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. He was. But he backed it up right. by exactly. the, the miracles that he performed. Right. So his innocence was... Um, what rested in the fact that the charges against him were false, right? Um, not that they were that they were wrong; right. they were false. Right. Um, Good distinction. You know, yeah. he he uh, he was charged with claiming to be God. He did. Yeah. Claim to be God. He said, "If you've seen me, you've seen the Father." Right. Now the trouble was they were saying he being a man made himself out to be God like he wasn't really God when he made that claim. Right. But the right. truth of the matter was he was God. Yeah. yeah. And he had all the right to make that claim. So his innocence was in the fact that what they charged him with falsely just mm. wasn't the case yeah. about him. He yeah. wasn't he wasn't um a, a man claiming to be God who wasn't God. He was a man claiming to be God who was God. Yeah. And this thing about uh, Barabbas too and uh, Jesus is we're guilty. <laughs> you know, just like Barabbas was clearly guilty. That's right. And we are guilty. And yet Jesus was offered in exchange for Barabbas and, uh, and he, Jesus was offered in exchange 
for us, for our guilt. He took on our our sin, our guilt, our punishment, our our just punishment. He took it on himself. Um, right. It's just a foreshadowing of what another foreshadowing what Jesus was going to be doing for us at the cross. And most people um, may have heard about Pilate. There are some people who haven't. If they haven't heard about Pilate, they've probably said something similar to what Pilate has said. If you've ever said before, why well, wash my hands of this? Well, that's basically what Pilate did. He said, I'm just going to wash my hands of it. And uh, he, he said, you know, I'm basically what he was saying is I'm not going to be held responsible for the death of this man because I can't find any guilt in him. And I am innocent, he said, of this man's blood. And so, uh, even though we might not be as familiar with the historical figure, a lot of things that we say today uh, are influenced by the words of Pilate in the past. And just like the other two events uh, that we've already talked about, about this day, this one also has some pretty significant spiritual significance to us. Uh, We've talked a little, we've dabbled in that a little bit already, but uh, why don't you talk to us a little bit about what you think would be some spiritual significance that we can pull out of the lessons uh, from Jesus's trial? Hmm. Well, I, I think uh, one of those things is that um, it's possible for a person to be declared not guilty in our country and yet still be guilty of a crime. True. Um, you know, the the uh, the burden is on the prosecution to demonstrate beyond a reasonable doubt that somebody mm. is guilty. And if the prosecution doesn't do that, the person is declared not guilty. Now, that mm-hmm. person may still be guilty of the crime, but the prosecution hasn't been able to prove that they're guilty right. of the crime. Right. Um, however, in Jesus' case, Jesus was not found guilty. Even Pilate right. said, I find no fault in this man. Right, right, right. Pilate found him innocent. Mm. It was crucial for Jesus to be innocent mm-hmm. in order to fulfill the imagery mm. of the perfect, spotless Lamb of God, the one who would die in our place on the cross for all of our sin. Again, mm. Paul just said, he who knew no sin became sin for us mm. so that we might experience the righteousness of God in him. Yeah. I can't ever fathom Mm. All that that means, but I'm grateful for it. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the sinlessness of Jesus Christ, um, as you said, he is able to be that lamb. He's able to be the sacrifice for us. And the tra- without his sinlessness, that, that transaction that we talk about in the, the substitutionary death of Jesus can't happen. And the transaction I'm talking about is on that cross uh, – Jesus took on our sin, and we received, in God's economy, we received Jesus' righteousness. It was, uh, as it were, imputed to us. It was transferred to us. There's a, it's like you go up to a transaction counter, and you trade in your sin for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And uh, that happens by faith. It's by grace you're saved through Faith, the grace of God is that he's making available to us this transaction where we can be forgiven and receive his righteousness and the guilt of our sin can be removed from us and we can be made right with God. That's the grace of God. But that's only received by faith. We have to trust that Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead were sufficient for forgiveness and life so that we can receive it for ourselves. Hmm. So when you think about next steps for us mm-hmm. spiritually coming out of 
these lessons uh, that we draw from the trial of Jesus, uh, what applications or next steps uh, do you see coming out of that for us? Well, remember that Jesus was falsely accused. Hmm. And uh, the sad reality of life is that can happen to you and me. I've said many times, the, you know, I don't mind being called on the carpet when I have done something that's wrong. Yeah. Um, and I know that, that I've done something that's wrong. What's hard is when I'm called on the carpet and I don't think I've done mm. anything wrong. Yeah. Um, the, the truth is all of us face moments like that. Um, when we are falsely accused, when we're wrongly accused. The good news is you're not responsible for your reputation. Mm. I'm not responsible for my reputation. That's up to God. Yeah. What we are responsible before God and before others is our character. Yeah. Amen. Who we are before God is what's most important. Those were one of the, that was one of the most significant lessons you taught me. Probably my second day uh, on staff here. Uh, it, it was it was soon uh, when I met you in your office, and you impressed that upon me. And what you were telling me was that your character matters, mm-hmm. and uh, you're responsible for that. You're not responsible for what someone else might say about you or might falsely accuse you of. But you have to have clear conscience, and you have to have uh, you're the one who's responsible for your character. And of course, Jesus demonstrated that throughout the entire trial. Uh, when he could have uh, spoken back, when he could have uh, um, resisted, he didn't, uh, but he he carried on. Uh, he, he let his character um, carry on uh, his reputation, even though it tr- others tried to soil it. Of course, there's a lot more, Bob, we could talk about uh, regarding this particular uh, event in Jesus' life, but I think it gives us an idea of how significant Jesus' life really was and uh, uh, is today, uh, now in in heaven. And in our next podcast, uh, we're going to get to uh, Jesus' crucifixion. Uh, There is no event in history that has been more characterized by so much bad news and good news <laughs> at the same time. And so we're going to be exploring that at our next time together. And if you don't have a church home, allow me to encourage you to attend Grace Church in person or online this Easter. You can uh, find information about how to, uh, to to know about our location and the times of our Easter events in the link below and how to connect with us online. And uh, I trust our time together has been helpful for you again. I'm glad that you could join us uh, for this time. And I trust that uh, in some way, uh, your faith has been strengthened and that you are better prepared in your faith for your faith journey. Remember, Jesus came that we might have life and have it to the full. And we pray that you will pursue the full life that God has for you.